Hey, what's going on, everybody? I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message from Deep Rooted Church right here in Visalia, California. This week, we're diving into a series that we've been in called Transform From Within. I'm so excited to get into the word with you guys today and for this week's message. And I want to thank every person who supports Deep Rooted Church faithfully through their giving week in and week out. If you want to start your worship journey through your giving, just text any dollar amount to 84321. Or you can go on our website and you can give there at deeprooted.church give. Let's go ahead and jump into this week's message called Becoming Good Ground. Man, I got a funny for you this morning. Are you ready for this one? There were three sons who got together to talk about getting their mom a gift. The first son said, I bought mom a big house. The second one said, well, yeah, I bought her a fancy car. And the third son said, well, since mom loves to read her Bible, but she can't very well because she can't see, I bought her a trained parrot that can quote the entire Bible. Who would like that gift right there? A few months later, they received a letter from their mom saying, Milton, the house you built for me is way too big. Gerald, the car is way too small. But my dearest Donald, your simple gift was my favorite. That chicken was the best chicken I've ever had in my whole life. Somebody turn to Mark chapter 4 and say, thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. That was, that was, my, that was one of my favorites right there. It was pretty funny when I, when, I, when I heard it. I don't make up these jokes. I'm not that smart, all right? My jokes that I make up will just, they just, they would tank, all right? Mark chapter 4 verse 13. We're still in the, in the series of uh, transformed, being transformed from within, talking about change and how to change, and specifically speaking, how to change into what God wants us to be in our life and, and, and the things that he wants us to do. Last week, we were dealing with doubt and unbelief and how to, how to get past that season of doubt, how John the Baptist was in a season of doubt that his whole life was flipped upside down when he was thrown into prison. He thought he was doing his, the right ministry. And, and here he goes in prison, not seeing the works of Jesus, asking him, are you actually the Christ or is there someone else we should look for? And what did we come to the conclusion of on how to get rid of that type of doubt? How to get past that doubt? Was it an encouraging word from Jesus or was it the word of God that he just demonstrated in, in, in real life? Was it pointing him back to the prophecies in Isaiah that he would heal the sick, he would recover the sight to the blind, that the deaf would hear, that the mute would speak, the lame would walk? He pointed John back to the word to get him into a place of faith, amen? And that's what we need to do in our life. Whenever we come to a season where we might be doubting, uh, a season where we might be struggling and, and not believing, maybe you had faith for something for a while, but then here comes another, another problem, here comes another circumstance that's trying to tell you that what you're believing for isn't coming to pass. 
How do we get past that season? And I believe that every time we ask the Lord to help us, he will always guide us back down to his word. Amen. Amen. So today we're talking, we're going back to the ground. We're going back to the four types of ground that we've been talking about in Mark chapter four. This is one of the most important parables in, in the Bible, I believe. And I believe that if we don't understand this, Jesus says, how are you going to understand any other parable? So we have to understand in Mark chapter four, we have to understand how this parable applies not only in, 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 in this context, but in our own life. How when we apply this and we relate ourselves to this, how we can get it to be true for us. And Jesus in Mark chapter four talks about four different types of ground that this farmer sows seed into, right? And the first ground was wayside ground. In other words, it was like a path. It was like the sidewalk. Imagine trying to plant some seed on the sidewalk outside. How much seed are you going to get? How much fruit are you going to get from that? Nothing. It's because that sidewalk is hard packed ground, right? It's ground that that is, is compressed together. There's no penetrating it. There's nothing for the seed to actually sink into. And so because it just stays there, the Bible says that the birds of the air just came and devoured that seed that was sown. And then the other, the other ground that was, that was there was stony ground. This ground wasn't very deep. It was, it was shallow ground. It was probably a couple of inches deep, really big, but a couple of inches deep. And there wasn't enough ground for the roots to go deep down into to supply a, a, a lasting change for the fruit, a lasting supply of life for the fruit. And so because of it, the Bible says when, this, when, this, when it sprouted up, the sun scorched it because there was no roots that it had. In the third ground, it talks about being thorny ground or thorns that or ground that had weeds in it, thorns in it. And, and because the weeds and the thorns were in that same ground as the seed, it choked any life that that seed had, making it unfruitful. And then he gets to the fourth ground. And he says, but this one, this ground was good ground. And when that farmer sowed it into that good ground, it sprouted up a harvest, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Then he goes on and says in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parables? See, this is the most important one. I believe that this, this parable is critical to the Christian life, understanding it, getting it into your heart, not just reading it, not just saying, oh, that's a good story, that's a good parable, but it doesn't apply for my life. This is pivotal to the Christian life. If you're in a circumstance, if you're in a season where your life isn't producing fruit, if you're a stagnant Christian, if you've been in the same spot for decades, it's probably because you don't have a revelation of the sower and the word. See, Jesus, he taught in parables for two reasons. Reason one, because people need to be able to understand on their level. That's why he taught, number one. If you teach a, a, a biblical principle about marriage to children and say, if you don't love your spouse correctly, if you don't, they're not gonna understand that. They're not gonna get that revelation. But if you put it into their terms and say, you need to share your toys to show that you love. You need to be kind to others at school. Then you're making it so that they can understand it. See, the first ground was wayside ground. Jesus said in Matthew that it wasn't fruitful because they didn't understand the word. 
So the reason why he taught in parables was to get people to understand it. He taught them because all of them probably knew something about farming. Every person in that area has at least planted something in their lifetime. And he used this sower and the seed because it was relatable to all of them. And so that's number, number one reason why he used parables. Number two, the Bible says that he uses parables to hide them for us, to hide these truths for believers, for Christians, for God's children. If, if God were to just reveal all of his mystery and all of his, his glory and all of the truths that are in the Bible to everybody, then it wouldn't be as effective and powerful because anyone and anyone can learn it and master it and get it under the system without believing in God. We need the Holy Spirit to decipher some of these parables. Some of these parables are, are, are you, you can't understand them without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, but you can understand every parable, why, why do you need God? Why, why do you need Jesus if you can just understand every principle in the Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit. So that's the reason why he spoke in parables. Number one, to help people understand certain things. And number two, he hid them. He hid these mysteries for us, not from us. Amen? So this is a foundational principle. And if you can get this truth in your heart, it'll unlock so many other things. It'll unlock every other parable that's ever talked about. In, in, in the next verse, in verse 14, he says that the sower that he's talking about is sowing the word. That the sower who was there scattering and, and, and planting seeds, see, they didn't sow and plant seed like we do it today in rows and columns. They just scattered it. They grabbed whatever they had in their bag and they just threw it and scattered it and hoped that wherever it landed was good ground. And so he said the sower is sowing the word. That's what I'm doing to you this morning. Every single Sunday, I'm sowing the word. How am I sowing the word? I'm just throwing it out there and hoping that some of you receive it. Something that the Lord told me before I started preaching, and I'm glad he did before than after, because it saved me from a lot of hardship. But what he showed me before I started becoming a pastor is he said that it, what you preach will not be received by everybody. What you preach will not be received by everyone. Because what I thought was, I have to get everyone to believe what I say. I have to get everyone to, to, to be on board with this. That if, if, I'm not, if I'm not preaching and people aren't shouting every Sunday, I'm doing something wrong. But the Lord showed me, Matthew, there are four grounds in this parable. Guess how many of those four grounds actually produce fruit? That's 25%. 25% of the, of the ground that, was, that had seeds sown produced fruit. And he showed me, Matthew, you can't expect 100% in your church. You, it, it's unrealistic to expect 100% of all the people in your church to produce fruit from what you preach. And so that gave me peace. That gave me uh, uh, relief from feeling like I was responsible for all of your faith journeys. And he said, nope. They're responsible. The ones who receive are the ones who will thrive. The ones who receive it and plant it are the ones that are fruitful. If they're not producing and you're preaching the word, it's on them. 
So if you, you want to receive something today, I'm going to be scattering the seed. I, here I am with my bag, and I'm just going to throw it at you. I might chuck it in your head to get it in there deeper. But at the end of the day, you have to be the one that plants it further and nourishes that seed. Amen? Amen. We're tracking this morning? So we talked about all three grounds, except the third ground, and, and we're gonna, or except the fourth ground, and we're going to talk about the fourth ground today. But we have to understand that the Word of God is the most important aspect of our life. It's not prayer. It's not healing ministries. It's not, it's not anything other but the Word of God. We need the Word of God in our life as Christians. It's our lifeline. Without it, there's no power that can draw into us because this, the Bible says, it's a spiritual mirror. It shows you exactly how your spirit is, what your spirit's thinking, what your spirit wants to do in your life. And without looking at the mirror from time to time, some of us can get pretty ugly. And so we need to be looking at this mirror constantly to know what our spirit is trying to tell us, to know what it's saying, what it's trying to get out from us, and not just that, but what it's trying to get into us. Amen? This is the most important part of the Christian life. And if you aren't in your word, if you don't have a habit of being in your word and being in your Bible, you're going to be suffering a lot more than you should, than you have to. Because the word of God, the Bible says it's profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, perfectly furnished for every good work. God's word is enough for everything. If you can't find what you're supposed to do in life in the Bible, you probably shouldn't be doing it. If you're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life and, and how do I get this done or what am I supposed to do and, and you can't find your answer in God's word, there's probably something wrong with what you're trying to do. Every answer, every problem, every circumstance can be resolved through God's word. Amen? Oh, come on, church. You got you to gotta have more, more joy for the word of God this morning. Without this, I can't preach. If I don't preach with the word of God, I'm preaching with the words of man. And that, that will profit all of us nothing. It might sound really good. It might, it might look cool. I, I might actually get a lot more uh, people in the church because it sounds better. But if I'm not preaching this, if I'm not in this word, there's no life here. There's no life coming out of me, but there's no life coming in me in the first place. So Jesus said, the sower sows the word. Did you know that in this one day, Jesus taught about 13 different parables? Just in one day alone, at least what we have recorded. And every single one of those parables, Jesus dealt with the word and the seed. Every single parable he mentioned in that one day. This is the most that we have of, of Jesus teaching in a single day, a single instance in scripture is right here. And all of the parables that he spoke of had to deal with the word of God being a seed or the kingdom of God operating like a seed. It has something to do with the seed and the word of God. And that shows to me how important that understanding how the word of God works. The word of God is to the kingdom the way a seed is to the natural ground. 
You want to operate, you want to thrive in God's kingdom? You want to excel in the kingdom of God? You need to be operating with the word just like a person's operating a seed in the ground to get a harvest on this earth. The word of God is to the kingdom like a seed is to the natural ground. Think about this. There's nothing on this earth, nothing that can give you life that doesn't come from a seed. Nothing. The fruit you eat comes from a seed. The animals that you eat come from a seed. The human beings we relate to come from seeds. Every single thing that's important that gives life starts in seed form. And this is why Jesus, he used this analogy. He, he could have used any other analogy in the world. He could have said, you know what? The kingdom of God is like if a, a student went to school. But you can't use that. Why? You can cheat in school, can't you? You can, you can falsify a test if you wanted to, right? Not only that, you could cram for a test, can't you? But you know what you can't do? You can't cram for a harvest. You can't just wake up tomorrow morning, plant seed, and expect a harvest the next day. There was a story of this minister who was a faith man, a faith minister. And he was so busy doing ministry, going out and about preaching and doing ministry all over the world. But he was also a farmer. And so while he was out busy uh, doing things, he came back home and he realized that one of his neighbor farmers had, were, were expecting to, to get a harvest and, and receive the harvest the next day. And so he comes home and he's thinking, he says, oh man, I've been so busy doing the Lord's work. He said, I have faith that if I plant all this seed, that I'm going to get a harvest the next day because I've been doing the Lord's work. I've been out busy. I, I didn't have time to plant this seed. So he goes and borrows $500,000 from the bank buys all of this seed, plants it in one day, and then the next morning is expecting a harvest. And by the time the morning was there, there was nothing. And so he goes to his neighbor and he goes, well, what happened? Why did God not do this for me? How come, how come God allowed this to happen? And he said, this wasn't God's fault. This was your fault. You tried to cram for a harvest. You tried to, to just believe for this supernatural, miraculous harvest to happen that operates contradictory to God's way of operating. See, God, he created the whole system of seed, time, and harvest. You plant the seed, you nourish it, you wait some time, and then it harvests. It, it, it's ready for you to pick, right? And when we try to operate outside of that principle, we're operating against God. We're operating against his natural operating system. And when we try to do that, then we get disappointed. And we say, well, God, how come you didn't do this in our life? How come, how come I didn't see this happen? And he's saying, there's a process. There's a process for things, and you're trying to cram for a test. You know what so many Christians do? They, get, they, 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 they just live their life worry-free, Bible-free, God-free, and then all of a sudden something happens in their life, and they try to go back to the Bible and say, what was that one verse? It was in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Something about Second Bartholomew. And they don't know where the word is or what the word says. And they're trying to crime, cram for something in their life to receive a harvest, to receive a miracle. But they've never planted the seed in the first place. 
And they get upset. Oh God, why doesn't your word work? How come this isn't working in my life? And what they've done is they've completely ignored the process of seed, time, and harvest. This is why God used this parable. This is why Jesus used this parable. Because you can cheat the school system. You can cheat at your work. You, you, can, you can cheat and make loopholes and cram and do all these things with everything else, but you cannot do it with the seed. You cannot plant a seed and expect it to be fully grown the next day. It is against God. See, this is why I love living a blessed life, not a miraculous life. People who live from blessing to blessing don't have to search for miracle to miracle. The difference between having a blessed life versus having a miracle in your life is that a miracle requires a crisis. You need to be going through something horrible to get a miracle. But if you're just blessed, you don't need the crisis. You're just blessed. You're favored. You have things happening to you that are good all the time. But when you're looking for miracles, it's something bad happened. I got to get a miracle. And the thing about miracles and living from miracle to miracle is that those miracles that people are searching for are, are, are very uncommon. Let me, let me just be really clear with you, church. Miracles are not common. Miracles are, are, are not the way we're supposed to live by. Miracles are the extra that God provided in the event we need them. But we shouldn't be pulling on miracles like we overdraft on our bank account all the time. That's not what it's there for. Miracles are... How do I put this, Lord? Like I said, with the seed time and harvest, God created this natural process of life. Seed time and harvest. Plant the seed, let it have some time to grow, and then you harvest it later. You get the reward of it later. You reap what you sowed later. And when you're praying for a miracle, you're saying, God, please supersede your natural way of life and do something miraculous for me. God will do it. It's not, I'm not saying that he, he won't and that you have to shake his arm and that you have to force him to do it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that it goes against his creation. It, think about the, the story in the Bible where God caused the sun to stand still. That is not normal. It's a miracle. And let me just tell you today, church, God will not do that again because there is no need for that. There's no need for God to halt the sun, for the sun doesn't move. There's no need for God to stop the earth from rotating. There's no need. In that specific instance, there was a need. But I can guarantee you, you're not going to have a need for that. You're not going to have the need for the sun to just not move in the sky. But all those miracles, all the miracles you see in the Bible go against his natural way of creation. They happen. But if you're searching and you're going from miracle to miracle, you're going to be having to go to miracle people, the people who, who perform miracles all the time. And you're going to have to jump from this person to that person, from this conference to that conference, from this healing conference to this healing conference, and hope that you make it to the next one in time before it's too late. See, that's not God's way of living. That's not the way God created us to live. God wants us to live a blessed life. How do you do that? 
You plant a seed, let it grow, and you get the harvest. When that harvest comes, it's 30, 60, or 100-fold. You can get that harvest, plant that seed again, and you have this self-sustaining, blessed life. That's how God intended it for us to be. And so we have to know that if this isn't working in our life, if this isn't in our, 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 our life, our way of living, it's not the seed's fault. The Bible says in 1 Peter that the seed is incorruptible, that the word of God is an incorruptible seed. It never goes bad. It's never rotten. It is a perfect seed. And whenever you plant it in good ground, it'll produce. I mentioned the seeds found 2,000 years ago in Israel, or they they were found today from 2,000 years ago. And they planted them in the ground, and they produced a date tree, whatever they were created to, to produce. They, the seeds still worked. I, I just heard another story. 4,000 years ago, they, they, there's these seeds in Egypt that they found today. And there they go, planting them again, and they're sprouting up what they should have sprouted up 4,000 years ago. The seed is never the issue. The issue is the ground. Even with bad ground, the seed still tries to produce. Even with thorny or stony ground, the seed still tries to produce. But it has a better chance of survival in good ground. It has a better chance to to spring a harvest that's 30, 60, 100 fold when the ground is good. So... In verse 15, Jesus talks about the explanation of these parables. And we've talked about this before. It says that the ones who are are on the wayside ground, they hear the word, but Satan comes and he takes the word from them. The ones who are on stony ground is the ones who they received the word with gladness. They heard it. They received it. They shouted for joy. And then persecution came. Affliction came for the word's sake. And it took the word away from them. It killed the word from them. You see, I I believe that most Christians are living here. They live in this place where they, 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 they get the word of God in their heart. But just like that farmer I talked about, they plant it one day and the next morning they expect it to produce a big harvest and it doesn't happen and they get upset. Oh God, I thought the word was supposed to work in my life. Well, it is. You've got to give it some time. Let it germinate. Let it, let it work inside of you and give it some time. And I feel like most people are here because notice the, the word says that when persecution comes or affliction comes for the word's sake, then they get offended. See, I can guarantee you, church, the moment you say, you know what, I'm going to put this as my main priority. I'm going to make sure I dedicate time in this word. The moment you put God's word as your main focus in your life, the devil's going to try to come to take that word from you. The devil's going to do everything that he can in his power to get the word out of your heart. That's his main job, is to get the word from producing fruit. And you have to be careful that you don't let persecution or let affliction affect you that way. You don't let those things, not that they don't come, persecution and affliction come. That's that's just going to happen. You put your life in the word, persecution is going to come. You better guarantee that it comes because if you don't believe it's coming and then it comes, you're going to be disappointed. 
you're going to be frustrated. God, how come, how come this isn't working out? I'm in your word. How come people are against me? How come all this stuff started happening to me? How come, how come I'm not blessed anymore? It's because the word is working and Satan's trying to stop it from working. Amen? Then the third ground is the type of ground that has the thorns in it, the hearts. There's, there's distractions in your life. It says that these are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of, of riches and the desires of other things enter in and it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. In the last ground, it finally says these are the ones who are sown on good ground. Those who hear it, they accept it, they bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. The thing about this is that if you get the word in your heart and if you are good ground, it will produce everything that you need it to produce. Everything. It's not limited to some things. It's not limited to, to sections of the Bible. If you read the Bible and you see something like healing and you, and you plant healing in your heart and you get healing, that's not it. You don't just stop there and say, well, I already, I already got one thing from the Bible. I guess I, that's the only thing I can get. It, whatever you need from God's word, it will produce if you plant it. Hmm. It's because it's a good seed. It's a perfect seed. Have you ever planted an apple tree or an apple seed or seen an apple tree grow from a seed? And all of a sudden, one day, as you're outside and, and it's a beautiful day, the birds are chirping, the clouds are in the sky, the wind's blowing. It's a beautiful day. You see this tree and it has a bunch of leaves on it and branches. And all of a sudden, you just notice it start shaking really violently and groaning and go, ugh. Here's an apple. You ever seen that happen before? You ever seen a tree groan and moan and struggle to produce an apple? Or is it pretty effortless? It just appears. The reason why is because that seed planted in the ground is supposed to naturally just produce it. That's what it's made to do. There's no work about it. There's no stress about it. There's no maintenance about it. It's just plant the seed, let it be nourished, and it's just going to produce what it needs to produce. The same thing with the word. You don't need to get the word of God in your heart and try really hard and get it to produce. And if it doesn't produce, I'm not trying hard enough. That's not why it's not working. In fact, if you do that, it's probably preventing it from working. Because what happened? The cares of the world is now creeping in, and you're thinking, oh, it's not working. i got to do something better. i gotta do, I got to do more stuff, do more this, do more that. You're like Martha, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and then gets up because you're distracted, thinking you have to do something that's right, but it's not right in the moment. Yeah. And you get distracted, and you miss out on what the word's trying to do because of all of this distraction, because the thorns creeped in. See, if you're worried about the word not working, stop. Just let it work. And if, if you worry, it's because you don't understand the process. If you're trying to plan it and you're saying, it's not working in my life. I, I planted it and it's not working. It's because you haven't understood that there's seed, time, and harvest. And in most cases, it's seed, time, then harvest. Right? It takes time. It's a process. 
And, and people are going to be upset about that. People are going to be frustrated because they think, well, God's word should just work automatically. That's not how God's kingdom operates. You missed it. If you want a miracle, that, then go get a miracle. But guess what? You're going to need a miracle again. And then another one again. And then another one again if you keep defying the natural process of seed time and harvest. Now, see, miracles are great because they're for the people who don't have the time. They don't have the time to plant the seed and let it work. They need the miracle right now. But for for most cases, this requires us to trust in the process. It's the nature of a seed to produce whatever it's inside once you plant it. It's just its nature. You, you get any seed. I can guarantee you, you get any seed and you plant it in your backyard today. In a week from now, you'll see something sprout up. Guaranteed. The only exception is if you plant it in like rocks. It's not going to produce anything because there's no soil. There's no ground. But even if you had stony ground, even if you had thorny ground, it's going to try to produce something, but it just won't get to its fullness. The seed's nature is to produce. That's its nature. And when you plant God's word in your heart, its nature is to produce what you planted. That's just its nature. It would be crazy for a woman to believe in getting pregnant without having any physical relations with a man. You'd be crazy. There's only been one virgin birth and you're not the next. I'm sorry. It would be ridiculous to believe that, would it not? It would be crazy to see a man outside in his front yard, laying on it, praying it, putting hands on it, praying in tongues. Oh, Lord, I believe that I'm going to see a beautiful harvest come from this lawn without planting a single seed. It would be crazy, right? You think something's wrong with that person. But can I tell you, Christians are doing that every day. They're believing God for something great in their life, but they've never planted a seed. They've never taken this and, and meditated on it. They've never planted it in their heart to receive the harvest. They're just, oh, God, I, got, I went to church. I planted it. No, you didn't. The pastor just threw the seed at you, and then by the time you walked out, the bird got it because you didn't plant it further. You didn't put it into your ground. You didn't, you didn't make sure that it's protected, and, and they're living their life, and they're hoping that they get something good from God, but they've never planted or they've planted and then they dug it up to see if it's working. They, they, they uprooted it to see, is it working at all? Is it planting at all? You know what you just did? You killed it. You, you can't, you got to leave it there. Mm. See, the good thing about the good ground is that it dis, it, the good ground It wasn't the ground that had more that produced fruit. It was the ground that had less. Less thorns, less rocks, less weeds, less distraction. It was the ground that had less that produced more fruit. You don't have to have a lot of good ground. You just need a little. Because if you, if you get a cup and you put soil into that cup, and it's good soil, 
and you put a seed into that cup, what's going to happen? You're going to see it sprout up. And, and then eventually you're going to have to move that into a, a, a pot, right? And then what you're going to see, you're going to see it sprout up a little bit more. And then when it sprouts up, then you're going to have to get it from that pot and put it into a garden. And that's where it can flourish. That's where it can thrive. But it's not necessarily the amount of ground that the seed starts out in. It's the quality of the ground. See, we talked about this on our men's Bible study on, on Wednesday night. You don't need a lot of faith. People think, oh, I just need all this faith. I need great faith. Friends, if you're, if you're not healed and you're believing for healing, if you're not healed and someone told you you need more faith, they're a liar. If you're not experiencing something in your life and someone said it's because you have a lack of faith, they're liars. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that to think of ourselves more, or in chapter 12, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but think soberly. What does soberly mean? Clear. Not, 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 what's the opposite of sober? Drunk. Impaired. Think clear, clear minded. Think soberly. Think right. Not to think of yourself more highly, but think soberly as God has dealt to each man the measure of faith. If you need more faith, then God's faith that he gave you wasn't enough. Peter walked on the water with little faith. That's all it needed, little faith. So it's not that faith, you need more of it that you have less of it and it's not working, that's not the issue. The issue is the contaminants that are in the same ground as your faith. That's the issue. The weeds that are causing you to doubt, the thorns that are distracting you from the word, that's the reason why your faith isn't working. It's not the faith. The faith's not the problem. You've been given the faith of Christ. People say, oh, no, well, God doesn't have faith. The Bible says that we've been given the faith of Christ, that Paul said that I live now by the faith of Jesus, the faith of Christ. Jesus used faith to do things. He didn't just snap his finger and have it magically happen because he was a genie. He needed faith. And the same faith that Jesus had, he imparted it unto us, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, temperance, faith, meekness. All of those things were given to us in our spirit, including faith. So the next time someone tells you you need more faith, you walk away from them because that's not the issue. Unless you've never, ever stepped your foot out of the boat to have faith, you don't need faith. Faith is, is already made perfect. What you need is to get rid of all the weeds. That's like saying, oh, God, God, my version of God's word's not working. There is no version. They're all the same. That God's word either works or it's not. And it's not because God's word has something wrong with it. It's because of all the contaminants in the ground. Amen. See, the ground that produced more fruit did not have more ground. It had less. Less weeds less thorns, less contaminants, taking nutrients from the seed. See, I, I believe 
every person in their life has, has come to one of these four grounds. I don't think that, that if you're a Christian today, that you've skipped them and you're just good ground. Every Christian, I believe, is one of these four. Either you started off as wayside ground, you didn't believe, and then you believed. Then you got to the persecution stage where you're shallow, and whenever someone or something happens to you, you just fall away, and then you come back up to the altar, you repent, you get born again, again, and then again, and then again. It's a stony ground. Then the third ground is the ones who are, they get past the persecution, they get past the affliction, but they're distracted. They, they, they don't make time for God's word. The third ground, and then, then there's the fourth ground, the good ground. But I believe every single Christian alive today is one of those four, and they've experienced one of those four. And if you can get past all three of these grounds, that's when you begin to produce fruit. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26, there's a, a couple of verses down in the King James, it says, Jesus is still talking. He says, so is the kingdom of God. So here it goes again, another parable. This is how God's kingdom operates. As if a man should cast seed into the ground, and now here's the, here's the good part, should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, but he doesn't know how. He has no idea how it works. It just works. There's only like one or two people in this room that can tell me how a car works. Can anyone else tell me exactly how a car works from the pistons to the carburetor to the, to the whatever, the pulley bar? Or I don't even know. Anyone? You still drive it, though, don't you? Put gas in it. <laughs> you still drive that car even though you don't know how it works, right? Just because you don't know how it works doesn't keep you from doing something. Doesn't keep you from driving it. If I were to say, you know what? I just don't, I just don't believe in, I don't believe in cars. Well, why? I don't know how it works. You know how stupid I would sound? How foolish I would be? I'd be walking around town everywhere just because I chose not to believe in something that I did not understand. See, it don't matter if you understand it to its full. I'm still learning it. All I know is that it works. That's all I know. So if it's not working, what do I know? It's my fault. Because I know it works regardless of me. I've seen it work with me, and I've seen it not work with me. What's the common denominator? Me. So if I know that God's word works, I want to understand it, but I don't need to understand it to believe that it works. I just know it works. I've seen it work. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in someone else's life. Just like a, the farmer who plants the seed, it says it, he should sleep and rise night and day. And what does it do? Put it back up on the screen. He should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. The seed just does it. He sleeps, rises night and day. What would happen if, again, if he came out the next morning to dig up what he just planted, he'd kill it. It, it, it would stop producing. It would stop growing the second he, he 
dug it up to see, is it working? How is it working? I want to understand how it's working. The moment you try to figure out how it's working in that instance, in that way, you're going to lose its, its nature. You're going to lose the fruit that it's trying to produce. Verse 27 says, he should sleep. Oh, I already said that. Yeah, he should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow up. See, seeds in themselves, they are a supernatural miracle, the way that they just operate. Again, you can plant any seed in any, pretty much any ground except the concrete, and it'll try to produce something. Even if it, if it barely produces and then it dies, it's still trying to produce. Seeds are just these, these miraculous things. And did you know that there's not a person in this, on this world that can tell, me, tell you exactly how seeds work? People try. Scientists try. They try to make up their own logic and their own explanation to things. And in fact, they actually try to make uh, synthetic seeds. I don't know what they're used for. I don't care what they're used for. But no man, no scientist can create an apple seed on their own. I don't care what they use, how much money they have, what years of experience, all the knowledge. No man can make an artificial apple seed, plant it in the ground, and see an apple come. It's impossible. You want to know why? Because they don't know how. They don't know how it works. You cannot understand how a seed works. It, seeds are just supernatural. They just work. How, can, how in the world can we get these human beings from a microscopic seed? I don't care what science tells me and what they try to explain. It's a miracle. It's supernatural. It's not natural. To get, some, to, to get this out of this. Nothing. It's, it's, it's incredible. No one can tell you exactly how it works. They can, they can say, okay, well, well the seed, it, it, it needs to germinate, and it needs to do this, but they're not explaining how. They're explaining what's needed and what it does and what the result becomes. But they cannot tell you how because they can't figure it out on their own. But just because we can't figure out how a seed doesn't work, it doesn't stop any farmer from planting it, does it? Hmm. There are some things I, I don't know. That, that's what the Holy Spirit's for. To, to help you understand. There are people who ask me questions, and I, I don't know. You go pray in the Holy Spirit. Ask him. But there are people who, who, who they, they, they ask these questions about receiving healing or doing this. I know the basics. I know the fundamentals. I know, I know what we can do to be a receptor of things, but I can't tell you exactly how healing works. I can't tell you exactly how prosperity works. I just know that it does. And here are the fundamental things. Just like the fundamental things on planting a seed, put it in the ground, nourish it, watch it grow. That's what I do know. But I can't tell you the, the molecules and, and, and how this comes to... I don't know how that works. All I know is that it works. 
And if it's not working for us, it's because we're doing something wrong. Amen? Amen. You got to plant the word just like you plant the seed. And that's when you're going to grow and reap all the benefits from it. You got to leave it there, though. You can't just dig it up the next day. You can't, you can't see if it's working. Just trust that it's working. You know, I'm sure you've heard this, but a bamboo plant, it produces about a couple of inches over the course of four years. Maybe like four or five inches. It's tiny. In the course of four years. But then within 18 months, it sprouts up tens, hundreds of feet. It, 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 it goes from this little tiny thing it grows, I believe, 18 feet in around 12 to 18 months. And you can actually see the rate of its growth. Like it, You can see it. That's how fast it's growing. And people will say, wow, that's crazy, man. You, this, this thing grew so quick. I mean, it, it only took a, a year for it to get this big. No, it didn't. It took four years and that year to grow that tall. Those four years prior, it was all growing underneath. It was all shooting underneath the ground. And then once it had enough root to sustain itself, that's when it shot up and it sprung up in a short amount of time. And when, when we are planting the word, it's doing more this way than it's doing more this way at first. At first, it's, it's all this. It's all getting the roots. It's getting your foundation. It's getting a stable foundation. And then all of a sudden, don't be surprised when out of nowhere, it starts to spring up from above. And that's where you start seeing the 30 and then the 60 and then the 100 fold return. That's when the thing sprouts. But everything that has a lasting food supply has deep roots in the soil. The word of God needs to go down first before it can sprout up. In, in verse 28, it goes on to say, the, for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. You know what that word means, of herself? In the Greek, it's, it's, it's translated to the word that we get today automatically. That the word of God, it produces fruit automatically. Meaning, again, it's, 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 it's nature you plant it, and that's just what it's supposed to do. And that's what it's going to do, regardless of its circumstances. Again, yeah, it might spring up a little bit in bad ground and eventually, eventually die, but it sprouted. It tried to do something. Its nature is to grow and, and sprout. We have to be the ones to make sure that it's being planted in good ground. Whatever we plant in the heart will grow. It's just the nature. Either we're going to grow and plant fear, fear is going to grow. We're going to plant lust. We're going to plant anger. We're going to plant all of those negative things. All of those negative things will grow. But if you plant the word of God, that's also going to grow. Regardless what you plant, it's, that, that's what's going to grow. It's the whole law of, of sowing and reaping. That what you sow is what you will reap. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. You want to sow judgment in someone's life? Well, guess what's coming right back to you? Judgment. You want to sow kindness into someone's life? Guess what's coming back to you? Kindness. You want favor in your life? Sow favor. 
You want good things? So good things. It's, the, it's, not the, it's not the law of attraction. It's not the law of whatever. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's a biblical principle. If the band can't come back up. Whatever we sow, that is what we reap. And then it also says the first the blade, then the ear. And after that, it's the full corn in the ear. There's steps and stages to it. Whatever you plant, just let it grow. Let it, let it do its thing. First, you're going to see the blade. Then you're going to see the ear. And then you're going to see the full corn in the ear. Amen? Amen. You're going to see these, these things come incrementally. Again, it's, it, it's, it'd be crazy for you to plant something into the ground and expect a full harvest the next day. And the same thing with the word. We got to plant God's word. Let it do its thing. Let it grow. Nourish it. Put water on it. Let sunlight hit it. And over time, you're going to start seeing that thing grow. Amen? Amen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Plant it in your heart day and night that you may observe to do according to all that it is written for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success then you will have success only when you meditate on god's word only when you plant the word in god in your heart that's when you will make your way prosperous it doesn't say god will make your way prosperous says you you will make your way prosperous say I I will make my way prosperous see we got to place the responsibility back on us if it's not working Lord what am I doing wrong what where am I missing it Lord if I'm if it's not working in my life how am I missing it I don't have to understand how I don't have to understand the whole concept I just need to know that it works I just need to know that I can trust you, that your word says it works. Your word says it produces. Your word says it's incorruptible. So Lord, if I'm bad ground, show me where I need to start digging. Show me where I need to start plucking. Show me where I need to start pruning. Show me where I need to start removing. It's our responsibility to get that garbage out. That's why I wrote a whole book on it, The Power of Purity, to purify your heart, purify what's inside, because it doesn't, just, it doesn't affect how God sees you. It affects how you see God. It affects how you receive from Him. If you have all this pollution, all this contaminant in your heart, and you're trying to plant something good in it, it's not going to produce anything good. It's going to choke it every time. It's going to kill it every time. We need to, make, we need to get our gardening gloves on, Get our, our shears and start going to work with all the weeds, all the thorns, all the rocks, all the, the, the things that do not produce life. We got to make ourselves good soil because that's when we start producing. That's when we start bearing fruit. Amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand this morning? If you can get through all three grounds and become a fourth ground, become good ground, 
that's when we start producing. That's when the fruit starts to show. We're supposed to be fruit bearers. The Bible says that people will know that we are his disciples by us bearing much fruit. That's the whole purpose. And if we're not bearing fruit, people will think, well, what's bearing fruit mean? So I say, oh, it's loving others. That, that's very shallow. You can love people a bunch of different ways. The world thinks that they love people. There's more to that. It's more than just loving people. It's more than just being nice. It's more than just being kind. It's more than just being patient. It's fruits of what you've planted. If you planted God's word in your heart, that should be manifesting out of you. That should be coming out and being on display for others to see. Not just, oh, I love you. That's fine. But then do something about it. Show, demonstrate that God's love is planted in your heart. Jesus, if you look at Jesus' life, he did everything out of love and compassion for people. Everything. The words he said, the miracles he performed, all of it was done out of love and compassion for people. So if you love people, that's the fruit. So start demonstrating the fruit. Start doing the things Jesus did. He said, he told us that when he goes, that greater things will we be able to do because he goes to the Father. So we should be displaying so much fruit in our life. So many things that set us apart from the world, things that show us, so the world that there is another hope, that there is hope in Jesus, there is hope in him, there's hope in his kingdom. They don't have to live a, a, a defeated life anymore. They don't have to live in the same mess that they're living in, that they don't have to be broken anymore. They can come to a place where, where they're accepted, they're loved, that they're transformed from the inside out. That's the fruit that should be showing. So we're called deep rooted for a reason. We first got to go deep. We got to get in the word. We need the word to be our, our most important thing in our life. And then the fruit shows. Then we're able to be a branch. If we keep reading in Mark chapter 4, Jesus goes on to say that if, if, there's a, if you plant a mustard seed and you'd be able to, to sprout up this tree and this tree can provide shade for each other, shade for friends. And many people are saying, Lord, let that be me. I want to be shade for my friends. I want to be a place for them to rest. I want to be a support for others. And but God's saying, the first bird that jumps onto your tree is going to topple you over because you have no root. We got to have a good root system. We need to get our roots deep into God's word, deep into the ground to pull from the soil, to pull from the nutrients and be able to provide help for others. Amen.